0: Here we go. We are here. Monday night. Monday night in November. (laughs) How are you guys doing? We doing good? Doing fine? All right, we're uh, starting a new chapter tonight, and it's dealing with uh, Law of Liberty or Christian Liberty. Chapter 14, and then it'll go into 15. Uh, Half of 15 will be the the same thing. Um, And it's dealing with. uh, how Christians treat each other, and they have different personalities, Christians do, (laughs) just like anybody in in the world has different personalities, but um, speaking of that, you guys like C.H. Spurgeon, you like his personality, don't you? (laughs) He he definitely had a a wit and wisdom, humorous. And one woman didn't like the humor that Spurgeon would put into his sermons, and it would be there quite frequent and uh, He replied back to that woman, he said, "Madam, you would think a great deal better of me if you knew the funny things I kept out <laughs> he had He had a lot of um funny things that he would say, but one time there was this uh one young man that that uh, he knew of, and uh, he'd received a box of cigars. Now, this kind of pertains to what we'll be dealing with here in chapter 14, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't say cigars in here. But anyway, he got this box of cigars and he asked Spurgeon, What am I going to do with it? Somebody gave this to me. And Spurgeon said, Give them to me and I'll smoke them to the glory of God. <laughs> you got to know, Spurgeon. So anyway, Romans 14. Paul is very interested in the way that Christians treat each other. Um, He goes to great lengths in this whole section. Uh, It started back in chapter 12 and then into 13 and then into 14 and then into 15, even into 16. This is a new section now in 14, and it's really one of the book's longest parts, if you take it as one section. It's the longest single part of the closing part of, of Romans, chapter 12 to the end. Um, why does Paul go to so much length in talking about how Christians uh, should treat each other? This is about Christians accepting uh, others when they don't agree on issues that are really non-essentials. And so it's 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 like uh, Paul, what's what is this? Is it really that important that you, you keep going on and on about this? I mean, uh, the book of Romans really is is about done here, and and you just keep going on. <laughs> well, let's see. Paul in chapter 12 talked about having a uh, a Christian mind or renewing the mind. Remember that? You know how many verses there were on that? Two. Renew your mind. Um, Well, how about having the right attitude about yourself and others? Well, that was about six verses. And they had another section. It was a call to love to end chapter 12 with. And that was about 13 verses. And then he went into chapter 13 and he talked about government, and that was like seven verses. And then he comes back and starts talking about right conduct, and that's where we dealt with the last couple of weeks, and that was seven verses. So now we come to this topic, and it's going to be all of chapter 14, and on into 15, about half of it, and it's dealing with this Christian liberty. And so Paul must have been very interested in this as the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this. So that's where we're at. And uh, let's uh, start off with a word of prayer. Father, you are a holy God. And we know in and of ourselves, ourselves need to die constantly. Uh, Our flesh does not honor you, does not want to honor you. But the new man that uh, you have created in us, desires you, desires your ways, and there is uh, always a constant battle between the flesh and this new man that you've given us, that you've made us, and we want to conform to your word, to your holy way, so that you get the glory, and we know that you are the one who Uh, instills it into us you give us the power to live out the Christian life and as we look at the end of Romans that's what Paul stresses so much now that we've had so much doctrine now uh, he says that we are to put this into use into practical use and uh, we thank you Lord for uh, instilling that desire in us and uh, also the power to do it and we uh, thank you Lord in Jesus name, Amen So we start off fresh, new chapter, new section. Verse 1, it says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Sounds strange, doesn't it? We're going to to talk about vegetables tonight. The doctrine of vegetables. Have you ever heard of that? (laughs) Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let... "...not him who does not eat, judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord." For he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died, and rose, and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge a brother? Or, why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another any more, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Hold it there. How are the weak to be treated? That's really about it. probably what we'll be dealing with there tonight. Verse 1 is is the theme of this whole section. Uh, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Most of all, I think he's talking to the ones who would be the, quote, strong. And he's talking about how to treat the weak. Uh, The weak are not necessarily defined here. I think we can have an idea, though. In one sense, I think we are all weak, aren't we? (laughs) We're all weak. Uh, But we we know that we're only strong in the Lord. Uh, The only strength we have is is from Christ. But it also seems to be a general thought in in this area, um, more than a specific one, because he uses like eating talking about um, eating vegetables there or, yeah, or other kind of foods. Then he brings in the issue of holy days. Uh, one day is one to another, to another it's not. Uh, so I think if we, if we see these as examples, it's a general overview of some things that we're going to be dealing with that would be non-essentials, things that really don't um, matter we're not talking about doctrine. Doctrine is always something that we want to make sure that we have right, but there are things that uh comes up with Christians that uh they can have disagreements about. Um but they're not really they can be important but not that important. They're not essential. Um, and that's what that's what Paul is doing here. It's um Now, if you get into Galatians, you'll see something that that's very similar when he talks about holy days or um Sabbaths, um, new moons, and those kind of things. And that was dealing with, there was an out-and-out legalism that denied the grace of God. And it was like salvation by works. And Paul, we know that uh, he addressed that very clearly. So when he talks about holy days and that kind of issue, he makes it very clear that we're not going to be hung up on that, and that's where the legalism came in. In this issue, he's not necessarily saying that the the weak are legalists. They they could be in a sense, but um, they're called weak in the faith, and and that that's a definite article there. The faith, weak in the faith, and so when you think of that, it might mean something like they're not quite understanding the full truth of the gospel. Maybe they're weak in the understanding and living out the faith. Not that they're necessarily really weak Christians and uh, they're sinful Christians. That may not be the the point at all here. But the issue is that these ones who may be immature in some things, they're to be accepted by the mature. That's just a general overview for for it all. I I think uh, uh, the problem that Christians... Have and Bill was just talking about it to me earlier that Christians like to dump on each other. Um, sometimes there can be a good cause for that if, if there's something that is really a, a problem, whether it be doctrinally or somebody's really living in sin, and that needs to be brought out. We know there is uh, church discipline, and when that has to be done, we know that uh, that's called for. But in this issue here, that's that's not uh, what he's dealing with. It's where Christians attack. Other Christians for really no cause. Uh, maybe they don't line up for the way that they think they ought to be, and and uh, you know we're known for that. You know sometimes we what shoot the what the wounded and and that kind of thing. And that's why Paul I think really got into this because I think he he saw as he wrote from Corinth he probably saw that he definitely had to have because he addressed them and he had written a, a book that we know as the First Corinthians. In Second Corinthians. And he saw how they treated, but he knew that there were probably people in Rome doing the same thing. And even two thousand years later they do the same thing. <laughs> and so he um uh, he addresses uh what needs to be done. Uh there's a there's a good uh, good cause for him to bring that up. I think sometimes people are wasting time finding trying to find faults. It almost seems like they're trying to find faults with each with each other. And you know, we're not we're not ever going to be uh, perfect, or we're not going to line up with exactly what somebody else has doctrinally. Hopefully, we line up with almost everything, you know, and there's still yet there's going to be issues with that. Uh, the essentials we can't ever disagree on. We know that the essentials, the great truths of Scripture, uh, Bible being inspired, and the Trinity, and uh, Jesus being deity, the 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 incarnation. And, the resurrection, you know, those those are elements that we can't give on at all. We have to be in agreement on those. And then there are secondary issues that still, for the most part, will be disagreed on. Well, we're getting into that other fold as we hit into this. How could we uh, kind of apply this? Uh, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. And it goes into the the food
1: thing, you know. Um, and we'll try to describe that a little bit. Um
2: yeah, Bill. Well,
1: I think sometimes what we do is we, you know, I mean, you've heard exegesis and eisegesis, where in eisegesis we think of something and then find scripture to back it up. Hmm. Um, and what I think some people in an eisegesic way could look at that vegetable package, pa- passage and go back to Daniel, you know, when he oh, said, yeah. Oh, give us only vegetables and we'll be just fine. You know, and so... You know, point. I mean there's I mean there's there's Christians who think that we shouldn't eat meat. You know, even though the the other people who think that we should go back to the part where the curtain comes down and all the all the animals come down and 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 the spirit says kill and eat, you know, Peter to to kill and eat, that, that you that can eat, you can eat pork now. You know, and so, you know, people use that passage as well. So I mean, even from just the standpoint of vegetables versus meat, it, it starts right there, and it probably did because of the either the earlier passages or the passages about the fo the meat sacrificed to idols that
0: that's exactly right it It was an issue for the Gentiles who came from a pagan background. It was an issue for the Jews <coughs> because the pagans had done that. I'm not going to eat that meat by the way, the other guys felt pretty strong about it. Hey, why not? It's pretty cheap. <laughs> this is good meat and I can get it for a cheap price they did and you know it's no big deal to me because uh, there are no such thing as idols and, and of course in 1 Corinthians 8 Paul addresses that and uh, so it, it is tricky stuff 2011.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Really>? <laughs>
0: wait a minute 10 that's about right let's say take a um, you guys might have encountered this for take Take a, uh, a husband, let's say, who's been deserted by his wife. Now, most of the time it's the other way around, but I don't want to turn it around the other way. Make it a little bit more not so real. No. <laughs> a husband, he's deserted by his wife. He had lost his job. He couldn't support his family. Some well meaning Christian comes along. This has been going on for quite some time now. And says, uh, Look at all the bad things that have been happening to you. You must be out of God's will. You better check yourself. Yeah, Job's friends. <laughs> you remember yeah. those guys?
1: Friends. <laughs>
0: the friends. <laughs> um, somebody else accuses him for uh, failing to support his family. Yeah. Uh, God must be trying to get your attention. Yeah. Just a little bit of free counsel, you know. Uh that could be a little bit of application you know this this guy- is 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 weak in that sense okay okay these are some different kind of senses of this uh, try another one how about uh, we identify with this? People don't measure up to our own expectations sometimes. oh, that guy, you know what he doesn't do morning devotions with his family. Can you believe that? I think he's on a I don't know, I don't I don't know where he's at. He's Christian. Well, I wonder if he's even a Christian anymore. <laughs> you know. All of a sudden you start thinking they don't do things they're not quite as, as spiritual, you know, as as me, right? They don't read those spiritual books. They don't read enough Christian books. I wonder what's wrong with them and you know who knows what's going on there was yeah, a, every yeah, reason well, yes. to feel that
1: way i mean you have this wonderful bookstore full of old
2: you're thinking going to bring that one up
0: there was a guy that was supposed to be highly spiritual and uh he wasn't coming to the the meetings uh, amongst the men wasn't coming to the prayer meetings wasn't even coming to church very rarely was he around church very much. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be at church, okay? <laughs> okay, But you'll get the gist when we get there. And so there were some of them doubting if, if this guy was even a Christian, even a believer. Maybe, maybe good reason if somebody's not even, what, what's going on there. And so, you know, it, it, they brought it up to that point. This went on for 20 years. And uh, this was, uh, you know, James Montgomery Boyce, he was at 10th Street Presbyterian. Well, there was Barnhouse before him, and Barnhouse was talking about this Donald Gray Barnhouse, and uh, he let that go with everybody, and they go, "Wow, you know this this guy really, yeah, he's makes you wonder, you know, that guy doesn't even seem like he's a Christian." And later on, um, Barnhouse asked, uh, "What you guys, uh, what do you guys think uh, the best concordance is? What would you guys say?" What's the best concordance out there? Strong. There we go. Strongs, right? Strong for the strongs. Youngs for the young. Cruden's for the crude. <laughs> just, I didn't get a good laugh on that. Let's just move that one out of the way. Sorry about it. Do you guys have Cruden's concordance? Okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. James Strong was the one that um, Barnhouse was using there because all that time he was putting together Strong's Concordance. So he wasn't able to go to the Bible studies and the prayer meetings and everything, for he put all of his time into putting this concordance together, which the rest of the church has been able to use in a huge way. I imagine everybody here has used a Strong's Concordance. And uh, so anyway, sometimes we don't really know what's going on there. You know, We might have an idea, but uh, whenever you have somebody contributing to the Christian cause, and using their gifts in a way, you go okay, you know. Boy, that quieted them down when Barnhouse brought that forward. <laughs> anyway, that's 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 another thing. How about different denominations? Sometimes we already have a, you know, an idea. Um, church affili- affiliations definitely divide Christians. It's a you know it's a shame that it's that way, but man is man and man is sinful and uh, man is going to have his divisions and you have divisions within denominations and the, the divisions within the denominations divide <laughs> and they keep on going on and it can be all sorts of different denominations. They all do that eventually. Sad, but that's that's the way it is. And uh, sometimes it can be for the good though too. God uses that, works it for good. Then you have the personality differences as I was mentioning, like. Uh, like a Spurgeon. Um, people were always getting at him because he was very well known. Most people really liked him. And he uh, he affected the whole city of London. <laughs> but um, he used to travel to meetings in a first class railway carriage. First class. And there was this one antagonist who knew who he was. This antagonist was sitting all the way in the back. Uh, I guess that would be what? Third? Yeah, first class, second class, third class. He was third class, he ran into Spurgeon, and he, he asked Spurgeon, what are you doing up there in the the uh, the first class? I'm I'm back there in the third class taking care of the Lord's money. And Spurgeon came right back and says, yeah, I'm up here in the first class taking care of the Lord's servant <laughs> himself.
2: <laughs>
0: he always had an answer.
1: That was better.
2: <laughs> we,
0: we got a smile or something out of that, right? granted i don't tell jokes good so that's why i don't even attempt it and i'm sure spurgeon would have had every one of us roaring here and so i'll move on okay this funny. is why i don't tell jokes i'm i'm serious i'm serious don't try that anymore. <laughs>
2: um
0: we have a command here verse 1 receive 1 receive 1 who is weak in the faith. The faith. Except one. Your translation might have that. Except. That's a good translation. Prolumbano. That's even more accurate. Did you like that one? That's in the Greek. What's that mean? Well, it really means, it, it, and it's in the sense of a command to respect others, to, to accept them. It's a command. It's not an option here. It, and it even means to willingly receive them. To receive them willingly bring them in for the ones who differ with you. John Murray said, there is to be no discrimination in respect of confidence, esteem, and affection. Of course, in Romans 12, 13, and 14, we've seen that all over the place, haven't we? Constantly. Goes against (laughs) grain, but so true. And so he says, not to to dispute over doubtful things. Uh, Don't judge others in non-essentials, Paul says. Um, Let's skip to verse 3 for a moment and we'll come back. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats for God has received him. There's a couple of um, uh, wrong responses here that you see in, in verse 3 or that could be taken out of that. We know that God receives all of us, right? And God himself does not take issue with those kind of things. So he's saying, why should we? The the two wrong responses would be the the strong are despising the weak. And the weak are condemning the strong. And so he comes back here and and he's using the idea of judging. um, The one who does not judge him who eats, for God has received him. The word is crino and it means to literally to separate to isolate when you discern something you 're judging something we are to we are to judge right we are to judge things if this guy 's a believer an unbeliever if he 's an unbeliever, then I know that i 'm supposed to bring the gospel to him i mean you, you judge all day long you have to discern things and then you work work from there you, you know how you can where you can be sometimes you may not come to a conclusion but um The idea of judging here, this crino, means to find the accused one as guilty. That's the idea of judging. He says, don't do that. Francis Schaeffer. You guys remember Francis Schaeffer? He used to use the word chasm. Chasm. We're not to be a chasm. There's not to be a chasm between one Christian and another Christian. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's supposed to be this canyon here now between believers and unbelievers there is and that's the word of God is what separates the believers from the unbelievers there is the chasm we'd love to bring them over through that chasm but um, you know that's we we divide ourselves and we're not to do that there's not to be that chasm Um, and, and the word contempt here or despise let not him who eats despise him contempt to have contempt for him Ex uthaneo. And that means to look on someone as totally worthless. That means to bring them to uh, a point where they are nothing or below nothing. It's to abhor or to have utter disdain for them. That's a strong word. Let not him who eats, the strong one, have utter uh, disdain. Disdain for the one who does not eat, and then then you see the other, the other guy, let not him who does not eat the weak one judge him who eats, for God has received him, so God receives us all, God accepts us all. It starts with that point. Go back to verse two now, and we deal with this you know the foods for one believes he may eat all things, strong one, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. And we know, if you're a vegetarian, you are weaker than the guy that eats meat, right? <laughs> I don't know. Is that, is that proven? I'm not sure. Anyway, Brad Stein really went on that. I don't know if you guys ever heard Brad Stein, but he hits on the, the vegetarians and some other things. It, not that he's, he's disobeying this. It's all humor. <laughs> um, does God care what we eat? Well, in this in this context, no, he's concerned with what comes out of us, out of our hearts. That's what he's concerned about here. For one thing, you have Jewish dietary law. You're bringing that up there, Bill. Kosher. Kosher. By the way, I think the uh, in here somewhere, I think that word kosher comes up. It's actually a word that pops up and it um, correlates with the Greek word and it means to, to be kosher. It's interesting. Um, the Jews were troubled by the eating of certain foods because of idolatry that was practiced amongst the pagans. So there was no way that they were going to eat those meats and they weren't going to eat anything from the swine. Well, so, you know, Jews, some Jews become Christians and they still don't want to go back to that it was It was wrong then. Why would it make it wrong now? But of course, Bill, you mentioned Acts chapter ten, where you have Peter and Cornelius, and of course you have the sheep, and the animals are there, and God says that um, Peter, you are now to uh you can eat these. you're free to do that. Peter said, "Oh no, no." God said yes, yes." I'm telling you something even more important here, you know. And so it was opening up to uh, to the Gentiles, but that food represented that they didn't want to be defiled. Though they didn't want to uh, to do that, and um, so they'd eat vegetables only. They'd stay away from meat. If that's the only kind of meat they get, that's all they would eat: vegetables. And it was important to them. Well, we know that God has clarified that, but yet at the same time, if that's going to bother their conscience, then it shouldn't be a big deal God did open the way up for them as far as eating pork for instance the Gentiles they practiced an asceticism some of the philosophers for instance the Greek philosophers the Roman philosophers they would dress in plain clothes as plain as you could have they ate only vegetables they would drink only water they lived a very bland life and we're talking, these are not uh, Christian ascetics, and, and that happens on later in the early church too, and on through church aid. But some of these became Christians, but they wanted us to live that simple lifestyle. They're saying, okay, we were living simple then. Why should we break that code that we had before? We don't want to be less pure than we were then. You know, To them, that was being pure, for they didn't... Um, have a, a lavish way of, of living life, so they wanted to, to keep on with that. They're Christians, and uh, yet they um, held to this this code. Well, that First Corinthians chapter eight, which is close to what we're talking about, Paul makes it clear. You know, there's no such things as other gods, but man has made idols, and man has to please God. For man to get some kind of graces, that's the way it starts. It starts with man, and then God will, if He's pleased with what you give Him, you know, sacrifices, uh, food, because you've got to feed the, the gods. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it starts with man there, and then God will bless you because of that. Maybe First Corinthians uh, eight thirteen. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. What Paul really brings it to the culmination there. He says, I'll go to the extreme. If, If this is going to make one who doesn't eat meat, it's going to make them stumble, I'm not going to eat the meat. At least he's saying, at least in front of him, I will go out of my way to make sure that I don't. And that's how Paul felt so driven by this kind of thinking that I don't want to offend my brother because it's not worth it here to make one stumble. And we know that what Jesus had said about making these little ones stumble, it'd be better to have a a, a huge huge rock put around him and thrown into the sea than to make these little ones stumble. Now I think ultimately that would be speaking about Ones who uh, would be unbelievers because it does mention hell there, and I don't think we believe in loss of salvation, but I think we can see the principle that it's it's sure not good for Christians to make uh, immature Christians stumble, right? I mean that's how serious I think, and we can still address that. And I, I think that uh, Paul was was being sensitive to the conscience. That whole chapter eight is is uh, dealing with the uh, the idolatry and and such, and so and then Paul. Brings it up to uh, this sense of uh, saying, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to eat the meat. That's just the way it was. Even if it was inexpensive food, <laughs> hey, they got a got a deal down the uh,
2: down at the temple. down. <laughs> it's really good,
1: chop pressed formed.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, what do the strong need to know? I'll look at verse 4. Somebody read verse 4 for us.
2: Zach.
1: Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? If It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand.
0: I just wanted to see which Zach would answer. Two of them are right here, and just <laughs> um, <laughs> well, um, I think it, it's it's going to start with God here. Um, who are you to judge another servant I mean, on these these basically trivial matters? Uh, God is able to make him stand. God is the one who uh, judges. Christians answer to God ultimately. That's why I like in First Corinthians four. Paul, I think, because he stood out so much, was always a target for people, especially the Corinthians. Him being an apostle, and they challenged his apostleship, and there were false apostles coming there saying he wasn't an apostle. And 2 Corinthians, that's what a lot of that is written about. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 4, you can see it happening right there in verse 4, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. He says, I, you know, I, don't, I don't judge myself. Ultimately, it, it's going to be God who judges. And we know that. Now, He calls for us to judge certain things in the church. We know that. But keeping it in the context, we know what he's dealing with here. Again, it's it's the non-essentials. But Paul's saying, okay, I don't know of anything that I have done that has offended somebody or whether I've come out with some kind of false teaching. There's nothing there that I know of. But if there is, I know that God will judge me because of that. Ultimately, it will be Him. Um, God is the one who's going to... And He will do that when, when He comes. And He'll bring out what is true and what's not. And uh, whatever's worthy of praise, then it'll be there. So it's good to know that ultimately we have the true judge, and everything that he judges will be based upon absolutely 100%, no opinion whatsoever, all truth. Isn't that good to know? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But (laughs) you say justice. Mm, Well, we know we don't really want the justice. We're thankful. So much for his grace, but there is judgment seat for Christians. Judgment, judgment seat, and He'll bring that up as He brings us on further. Christians answer to God. That's one thing. Another thing is God accepts Christians as they are. I mean, in the sense of of who are they, um, who do they belong to, and then He brings them in. He's the one who makes them stand. Yeah whether they stand or fall, He will do that. For God is able to make Him stand. They stand by the grace of God, don't we, really? We know in and of ourselves we, we're all weak. But it's it's the grace of God that keeps us there. And we know that we are uh, accountable to Him. We're accountable to God and, and He'll get into that a little bit deeper. We could go to one passage, Matthew 12, 36. It's always good to know. It keeps us keeps us humble. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. That shows you where your heart is at there. We, we know if, if we're justified because we speak good things, um, we know we're only justified by grace. But yet as a Christian we know that we still have our um, there are works to be judged and uh, there are uh, the rewards and that kind of thing uh, awaiting and it would behoove us to make sure we watch what we say and that's what uh, I think Jesus is putting forth here here he's talking to the Pharisees in the context but uh, using a little bit of the third use of the law which is really that's the law that's That can be for Christians. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, How about holy days? Verse 5 and 6. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. Holy days. And, of course, these are mentioned a couple other times. Colossians, Colossians 2, Galatians. Kind of in a little bit different way, though, because that was dealing with uh, legalism. This is dealing with uh strong brother, weak brother. In the Middle Ages, you had... Eastern Church and you had the Western Church. And it was really all a part of the the, the Catholic Church. You had the Eastern Orthodox branches, but they basically were, were one. The Church divided over a thing called... You've got to like this word here. The Poloquic Clause. You guys know what that is? That... Was a big issue over really not much of anything. But the whole church split over this. That is because it was dealing with the Holy Spirit, and in the Nicene Creed, you had the proceeding of the Son, the Father, from the Father, and then you have the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father or the Father and the Son. That's what they split over. You <laughs> mean it had nothing to do with Mary? No. Okay. Not at that time. <laughs> uh eventually it probably would have ended it did, but <laughs> in the Reformation you have a split, and the Reformation just splits all sorts of different ways. You had Luther and you had Zwingli, you had Calvin, and it was dealing with communion. Communion, in that word is union. (laughs) And they had high disagreements. And you can imagine Luther just got all bent bent out of shape about it. He actually thought, though, that he, and he never really got to discuss it with Calvin, but he thought that Calvin was pretty well right on. Uh, But looking at what Calvin said, I, I don't think Luther understood but um, not to try to bring these guys down. I'm trying to bring division here. You know, Luther's my hero. Calvin's my hero. And Zwingli's an Aries reformer, but um, Luther said that this is my body. Sees that in the scripture, and he says, "This is my body. This is my body. This is my body," and he would he would crunch with people on this because he took it in a literal sense. Slightly different than the way the Roman Church did, because they said that absolutely the, the bread turned into Christ's body. He was saying, well, no, but he's he's in it, around it, above it, underneath it, but he doesn't turn into that. And so therefore you have consubstantiation. Catholics had transubstantiation where he turns in into that, that bread there. That is Christ's body. So he tried to keep with that, this is my body. He was really literally trying to go with what the Scripture said there. He took it in in a real literal way. Um, Zwingli said, no, it's a memorial. And this actually is a remembrance service. Calvin took it just a little bit further and said, yeah, it is a remembrance service, but it's the real presence of Jesus. And you say, "Uh uh-oh, that sounds like Luther but only in the spiritual sense. Okay, good. <laughs> not in the physical sense. That's, that's not Christ. Christ cannot come down here again until he returns. Calvin said, and, and most of the Reformers that went along as, as what Calvinism did, and most of the Reformers would take that stance. It's a special time when you have communion. The presence of Christ is there. By the way, the presence of Christ is always there. He's with us individually. He's with when two or three come together. You know, people use that, and and he's always there though. And it's not just because, hey, when we get two or three together, we then that Christ will be there. Well, he should be there individually, and that's about church discipline there, by the way. But anyway, uh, but only in a spiritual sense. Calvin says, but it's there's there's something more to that, and kind of in a mystical sense, and that's okay. I think I think he was right on. It's a special time. It's a, it's a good thing. Um. Well, today you have some issues with Sabbath worship, and speaking of holy days, here would uh, would be the thought. And of course, the Jews. Many of them you know that's what they'd always done, and so therefore they met at the temple and and of course they they met at homes too, but this Saturday was a big day to them, you know this this Sabbath, the seventh day, we know it was in the Tenth Commandments, and you look in exodus you, know, you look at the Ten commandments, you look in exodus thirty one thirteen and verse seventeen speaking the same thing and so they had an issue there and some really wanted to hang on to that well then you have others who say well Sunday worship is now the Sabbath and some in the Reformed uh, movement did take a hold of that and I think in the Westminster Confession even in the London Baptist Confession they call the Sunday the Sabbath so this seventh day turned into the first day and it was the same thing and what I'm saying there is that then they, ha- they had to start saying well you can do certain things on Sunday but you can't do other things kind of nice it's good I like the thought but you're going to run into Phariseeism if you're not careful because it's like okay can we go to restaurants on Sunday well when we, could, we could divide over this deal or how, is it okay to get gasoline? There used to be the blue law. To be honest with you, I liked that. I thought it was a good thing back then. I didn't know that there was such a thing that happened. You know, I, I just know that Sunday was a special day. But that's what I thought as a kid. Okay, that's good. Yeah, Eldon.
3: Here two weeks ago in Sunday school, uh, I brought up the fact that back when I was a kid, and we're talking about 60... 65 years ago, you couldn't go to town and to buy anything. Stores were closed. But today, I said, after church, how many people in here are going to go to Walmart and do their grocery shopping? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I heard from everybody, and I mean 15 or 20 people, they every one of them, without exception, started giving excuses as to why they had to.
0: Yeah, you didn't even ask for the excuse, did <laughs> you? <Yeah. laughs>
3: you know, it's, well, it's the only day I've got. It's the only day I'm free. Yeah, I it. I, it's I'm in town and I would have to drive, you know, another ten miles. Uh, nobody uh, questioned at all of why maybe the, it was that way at one time, but it isn't now. Yeah, Because they all gave excuses as to to justify their behavior.
0: Would you say it kind of gives a little bit of sense of the times that we live in to an an extent, how how it's changed?
3: My dad, we lived on a farm, and uh, certain things had to be done in sequence. Uh, You know, you cut hay, and it was laying on the ground. It'd dry out and need to be put up before it gets wet. Uh, But if that happened to fall on a Sunday, he wouldn't do it, even if it was going to rain yeah. Well, one of the neighbors now owns about 4,000 acres of that, and that land's included. It's all in soybeans or corn. And he works 18 hours a day, seven days a
2: week to harvest. It's, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like it's no different than any other day yeah. what, what has happened.
2: What's interesting is the excuses. It's almost as if they felt a little guilty. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was because, right. Yeah. They, yeah. They and if you, if you talk to the guy who's doing the harvesting, he, he probably has a sense that something's not quite, shouldn't quite be. Needed. Well, he can harvest People so many acres during that 18 hours on the
3: Sabbath, mm-hmm. which is worth so many thousand dollars.
2: But I never thought that that Sabbath or the Sunday or whatever, I didn't think that that was a day that you were supposed to just sit around and do nothing. That just seemed like. It's not about sitting around doing nothing. It's about worship. Hmm. So if you go to Walmart and you worship the Lord, go <laughs> and thank God. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, right I mean that will do it. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, and, it, and it's about it's thank about God rest. and it's all on yeah. the Lord.
3: And it, it, I, got, I got another.
2: I don't. Oh, I don't I, well, I think
0: that I think we might get into Romans 14 here.
2: <laughs> but I think there's something to be said on Sunday. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, barbecue. Yeah,
0: barbecue. It has changed drastically in that time. I know, like the younger guys here, they they never saw a world like that. But I'll tell you what, it really wasn't, and nobody complained about it. You, well, you know, we didn't like know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the probably businessman, the business, yeah, the business yeah. Is. Yeah. But, yeah. I but there was a sensitivity to it. Makes people give up their day if their day of worship is on Sunday. It makes them get rid of that, so they can. Because if your job tells you you got to be there on Sunday to work. Mm-hmm. You have to get rid. You have to give that up. Or you know, what I'm saying, are you sure? A conflict list to keep that job. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the problem. I mean, that's the problem. I think we'd have. We probably have our personal yeah. reasons why or why not. But I think Elda makes a really good point because, I, and where you draw the line, I don't think nobody is going to be able. I don't think anybody's going to be able to come up with an absolute answer on this. But I think there is a sensitivity. If we were to ask Kofi, and, and I'm going to ask you.
2: In London, you
0: were telling me this. I found this fascinating. Tell us what happens. What's what's the big deal about Sunday there?
2: It's not a Sunday. It's another day. It's another
4: day. Um, because the the economy was growing so much, you, you hardly heard about Sunday services. Uh, the only time you probably hear about it is if, if the Queen goes to the people. And you hear about it in the news.
0: It has gone. It's gotten so wasted that people work just like they always do, right? That's just another day of the week. It's not special.
1: The thing that I also understood, and you know, you can look down on me as my faith being weak, if you want to, is that the Sabbath was about rest. You know more more than anything else,
0: what was it created for? you
1: know yeah. I mean God rested on the Sabbath, and that's why you know you, I mean even Jesus said later on if if my donkey falls into the falls into the pit on the Sabbath, I'm not going to wait until the next day to get him out got yeah. to get him out that day. but it is about rest, and I think that's that societally like like Eldon says, you know we get into this rat race and we do not rest. I think the Sabbath is about us taking a time of rest.
0: It's made and for it's us. Different for yeah. everybody. I mean, I know
1: people that are off on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have to. They, their job requires them to work on Sunday.
0: And that's and probably that's just... what we'd run into this situation here. I, you know, yeah. I, I know. I, you know, people have asked me, "Hey, is it a sin because I work on that Sunday?" I said, "Well, it depends on if you're asking me personally what I would do." But I'm not so sure if what if I was in a situation where I did not have any other alternatives. It would be uh, i I you know I like this store. I don't ever want to have this store open on a Sunday, and I'll do whatever it takes to not have it because I don't think you know that for me would would be right. There are other Christian bookstores that are open Sunday throughout the state of Missouri and the United States, but I'm not going to condemn them. all I know is that it wouldn't be right for me It's not an alternative to me at all. You know, I've got other things. I've got better things to do. You know, it's a business. I, you know, and so therefore, it's going to come into a personal thing. But, uh, but for somebody who can't help it, and that's what he's doing now. What do I do? Put a put a, a noose over them and make them even feel more guilty? Or uh, I've known some guys that were, I mean, very godly men. They got in a position where they had to work on a Sunday. They told the boss of saying, "Hey, listen, I don't want to." I really am not uh, desiring to do this. If I'm in a position where I have no other alternative and I have nothing else to go for, I I will do it, but I do want you to know what I feel about it and what I I really want to do. If you can ever have an opportunity to get me off, I want to be. At least they would be honest with them and upfront. Um, At the same time, they would be looking for other alternatives, but they they continued on doing that, and then you'll see over a period of time, a lot of times it works out, and all of a sudden something comes along, some person comes along to take that, or that job gets knocked out or whatever, and they don't have to do it on Sunday. You know, there's a blessing that, that happens. You know, it's it's a it's a touchy issue. The yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you know,
0: some, some people are preaching three and four services. What's well, their their hardest work day? Mm-hmm. But it, that's but that's rest rest and work. Audrey had
2: something. It just happened that yesterday I was studying Isaiah 58 and what Calvin had to say about it. I don't know what other translations they had not that far. But Isaiah 58. Um, it's all good, but the last two verses of session are pretty to what we're talking about. And today, saying, which is this day, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And that, that, what the reason that came to mind is because of what Bill said about it's a day of rest. Well, it is a day of rest, but it's also a day of honoring the Lord and not looking for our own pleasure or our own ways, or even censor speaking our own words. Devoting
0: it to, I think. about honoring God there. Honor then. Yeah. not that we
2: shouldn't do that every day, but it's a special day. Yeah.
0: And that's that's the best rest we can have when we're concentrating on the things of the Lord and, and doing with other people. Uh, but he's saying here, hey, listen, okay, somebody wants, especially if you go back at that time, somebody wants to worship on the first day of the week. The other one wants, wants to do it on the seventh day. Okay, um, uh, it's finally going to come down to that, that conscience sake. And evidently they had those kind of issues that were being brought up. We know that because of the resurrection that was uh, on the first day of the week, and then Paul said, when you come together on the first day of the week, bring your tithes and offerings on you know, 1 Corinthians. And and so there was something set with that. But if one wanted to make their worship on Tuesday.
2: Well, I, I guess you can do that. From Monday night was my night of worship. That, that well, that's Monday. right
0: for many years. That's that's well, I don't know for many years, but for for a little while there, that's right. You were that was that was your that was your worship. That's that's what you knew. Of. Uh, I mean, as a special time. Of course, we know that our worship is always, and we're in our Sabbath rest. We've already entered that Sabbath rest, Hebrews four. Um, but we we still have that 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 day. The conclusion is is I think I. I think what Paul is is putting forth here, certain days they're bringing out, each must be convinced in his own mind. I think you want to look at scripture. You know that's where it starts. You know we don't start off with our own mind, but be convinced in in what you look for, not just trying to. Like you said earlier, uh, sometimes we come up with proof texts to meet what it, whatever it is. You know, we always find those verses, but
2: um,
3: there's a real danger in that last verse. Verse 4, let each man be fully convinced in his own mind.
0: Oh, in his own mind, yeah. <laughs> I of a
2: lot of That's right. <laughs> That's, That's right. I have convinced myself of a lot of things. Yeah, and the more I think I about it, the more I convince myself
1: that <laughs> I sure. am absolutely <laughs> right and you're all right. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the way it
2: <laughs> goes. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> See you at Walmart on Sunday. Where's the Lord? I try not, My first. <laughs> to go shopping on Sunday. And I don't
3: work down the basement of my shop on Sunday. But I do sleep in front of the
2: TV
0: watching the (laughs) people. Oh. Did you he wasn't in his lounge chair with the Bible studying at that he's not as spiritual as we thought watching people on T V (laughs) work.
2: Getting beat up.
0: (laughs) You know what Paul is really stressing though? We can serve the Lord either way. And we're not giving, you know, full credence. Hey, just do whatever. We don't need to come to church anymore. Then, you know, hey, this is my day. You know, we know there are other passages and other dealings with that. But I think the, the bottom line is if somebody comes in here, and it's happened several times. I'm using really illustrations here that have been, let's say, Seventh-day Adventists. is basically what they were. And they were trying to make a point to me that I really need to be worshiping on the Sabbath, which to them was Saturday. And And I could have let it alone. What?
2: And to not eat
0: pork. Oh, did they say that too? too? They they didn't get into that. We didn't have enough time. (laughs) I didn't know that, but that makes sense. Why wouldn't they? Well... You know, we, we would uh, we would discuss that and I said, Well, okay, you know, you go to Galatians four, you go to Colossians two, you read that, and uh I didn't re- really get an answer on those, to be honest with you. They'd skip on to something else and usually they wouldn't they wouldn't try to to answer the passage, yeah well what about this? You know what, Paul is addressing this on, on legalism, but anyway, Those are definitely issues people who've gotten away from Sabbatarianism. That's having to worship on the Saturday Sabbath. (laughs) And if they want to do that, you know, I can say, that's okay. That's fine. I I think uh, uh, by appealing from Romans 14, if that's the way they feel, I can say, well, here's a scripture here that says, hey, a first day of the week, and use those passages. But I can I can honor the fact. Okay, if they want to worship on the good, but they're telling me that I am the Antichrist or I'm a part of the Antichrist system because we worship on Sunday. That's I think that's how Seventh Day Adventists take that, if I'm not mistaken. You get
2: the holidays, you do the same thing with Christmas and everything else, and these people go, "Well, that's not the real true day," and you know,
0: and here's come around again. And now we're getting into non-essential things. But whenever one starts getting the legalism, that's where Paul had to address that in Galatians and Colossians and the asceticism and philosophy and all those empty things that was a detriment to the body. In this sense, it's like, don't make a big deal about this. You're brothers in Christ, you're true. Don't be dividing over this. Don't be judging on that sense. Um, As long as you are basing it upon, you know what, to be truth, uh, and if uh, one doesn't want, uh, doesn't feel good about it, uh, well then, and you feel right about doing something else, and you're basing it upon what you think to be known as scripture, okay, well, um, it, it does bring up the conscience. And that, I know it's tricky. What Eldon said, it's like, yeah, I saw that too, and it's like my own, my own mind, my own thinking, uh, my conscience. But if it's if it's sincere in the sense that it wants to follow through, I think we know. But still, you, you, you keep dividing that up. What do you do about the the, uh, the Sabbath? Or what do you do about the Sunday worship? And uh, We know that there's somewhere there is a line there.
4: Oh, Kofi. I have a question. Do you think, um, I don't know, but do you think Paul was running into people with the same issue back then? That's what they were what? The same issue. He was running into the same issue back then? Worship on Sunday at the time. Because I think the only way that well, maybe not the only way, but I'm assuming the way that he put the last sentence to your own conscience and your own mind because it was probably going on then. People were still having issues with the Sabbath at that time. Mm -hmm. And as to him being, you know that the Holy Spirit was talking through him, he knew there might come a point in time in the future where this might also be an issue. Yeah, certainly. So I'm taking it from the past to the present. And uh, I don't know if, you know, there was some place where at that point in time we he running through people who were asking the same questions, you know. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right on. Matter of fact, thanks for bringing that out because when we interpret scripture, a rule, a hermeneutics, is what was being said at that time. And I know I immediately. Kind of broke that rule when we first started out, but I wanted to come back and make sure. But you're right, because what was happening then? That is the biggest, most important thing to find out, and then bring it into okay. Now, does, can this apply to today? Does this does this work for us? Well, obviously it does. We, we, there can still be those same issues. It still it definitely was an issue there because the Jewish people who had become Christians. Now they're struggling with this. I always worshipped on the Sabbath, and now it's saying here worship on Sunday. What do I do? You have that issue, and you still have those, the food issue. And, of course, we can see how that works today, but first of all, he was definitely speaking to those individuals, those people, those churches at that time. And uh, it was real. So anytime yeah, you look at Scripture, that's the first thing you want to do. Who's the writer here, and who's he writing to? And uh, sometimes I get so caught up and start moving it right on into something, you know, where we're at now to make it relevant. But we don't look for relevancy first, what was being said. But I don't run into too many passages that are not relevant in here. Matter of fact, I think they're all relevant. But, yeah, use the rules. But that's a good point, Kofi. Thanks for bringing that out.
1: You know, and I mean, I, I've been round and round with this meat and vegetables thing because even in being sometimes a vegetarian and sometimes not a vegetarian, in trying to use the Jesus in saying that, ah, there's some people that just eat only vegetables in the passage in Daniel. I mean, we could sit here and and I could tell you that meat production in this country is the single worst polluter of our land, water, and air. And yet, you know, and that we should only eat vegetables. And yet, we still have to be able to allow for that.
0: No yeah. matter if you came up with the right. great, when, greatest right. answer, right? but the
1: thing is is that it, it comes to a question of conscience. Because if you can eat, you know, chicken that's, you know, that's raised in cages this big, okay, and not have it bother your conscience, <laughs> then go ahead and eat, and, and, and eat to your conscience and eat to the glory of you're God. You're
0: totally free. Yeah, you're totally right? free. Right? Isn't that what Paul's saying? You can do that.
1: But what happens... But even then, it starts even at basic food. That's the most oh, simple it's, element, it's the simplest, element, right? The simplest things, Because, I mean, I have seen Christian vegetarians that will just beat you upside the head, you know, with that you shouldn't eat meat because you're killing and all
0: kinds of Well, stuff. tell them that they're new age. I know. No. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's really only about
3: five or six things that are foundational. But we have to agree on, uh, and you're not Christian if you don't agree on these things, mm-hmm. uh, the ones you mentioned earlier about Christ, who he was, and all these others are non-essential. And we don't have to agree on those. No. But you can be a Christian without agreeing mm-hmm. on 2,000 other things if you agree
2: on the essentials.
0: A lot of room to graze out here, isn't there? Well, <laughs> and there it's is. Like oh, well,
2: saying ultimately, you're saying, as long as you do it in honor of the Lord and you thank the Lord for the vegetables or the meat or the Sabbath or the Sunday. Or That's right. That's the whole purpose of honoring the Lord, not gratifying yourself. Well,
0: I like what you said right there at the end of verse 6. For he gives God thanks, yeah. so in what we're doing, and're we're, we're feeling uh and the feel is another tricky word but and, and that's where we're at. a lot of these we don't really you know know for sure i think I think we're settled on on most things, but you see, as long as you give thanks to God, and you know you can really give him glory <laughs> for this you can um you can feel settled in it. Uh, You give him thanks. The Lord, he does not, and he gives God thanks. So both of them are giving thanks. Both of them are serving the Lord uh, either way. And it's a win-win situation with with what Paul has stayed consistent with. And uh, look at living. He takes living and dying even. He takes food, just basic things here, and shows how much we can be at differences. But he says, for none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. Now he brings back in unity. There can be diversity in and unity, can not there? Okay, living and dying. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. What? You couldn't get anything better than that. We live, it's to the Lord. We die, it's to the Lord. How can you lose? Right? We die. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I love that passage. Living to God. Coram Deo. What does that mean? Coram Deo. Before the face of God. Boy, I'll tell you what. If we would keep that in our minds, realizing that in what we're doing, this is for the glory of God. This, And and I know that He's here with me. This is the way I want to live. Before Him. In His face. as As, as He is right there with me before the face of God. That's the idea. God's all-seeing presence. Dying to God. Did you know that we were called to die and that's that's from God. He has the perfect moment, the perfect way to do it, that the way that's going to happen and we're to trust him in this manner. Now that is something we usually don't talk about because we don't like to talk about it, but if we'd really think about it, Here, if we live, we live to the Lord. We die? Actually, it's gain, isn't it? Paul says, we die to the Lord. Some go instantly. Others go and decay over a long period of time. James Montgomery Boyce, it sounded like he just wanted to die instantly. He said he'd actually like to have died uh, on a plane crash. Now... I remember Sproul mentioning that one time about, he said, Yeah, I traveled with uh, Montgomery Boyce one time, and he said, You know, he said, Hey, hey, RC, wouldn't it be something, you know, they had they had some bumpy weather that they were in. He said, RC, wouldn't it be great if we'd just go right now? And RC says, What was the matter with you? And uh, and James Montgomery says, Hey, you believe in the sovereignty of God, don't you? <laughs> you know, this if it, you're supposed to go, it's God's timing, you know? <laughs> So they the both sovereignty of God, but they had different views on this dying thing.
2: <laughs>
0: but He's sovereign in our lives. He's sovereign in our deaths. And I think we forget that. And if that's the way it is, He is totally sovereign in things. thing. Is it a tragedy when we die?
2: No.
0: It's not really, is it? It's actually planned out by God, just like He planned out when we came on this. I wouldn't say this to most people. I can trust this with you guys, right? But you know, and and we can say tragedy in a, in a loose way, okay? But ultimately, it's no surprise to God, is what I'm saying. Um, we, we don't we don't like the thought of somebody dying, you know, and, and and well, it should be, you know, and especially if somebody young dies, but yet. This, You know, God has that control. It's not a cosmic mistake. It's not that God overlooked. He said, oh, I oh, forgot God. about him. Oh,
1: Oh well, too late. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: We belong to Christ. Last week, Monty Schenkel said, did it ever occur to you that nothing occurs to Nothing God? ever occurs to God. <laughs> <laughs> did he steal that? Did he he, he, he that like stole that, that from me. Did he steal that?
0: Yeah, he stole him? that from me. He oh, must okay. have. He never said, no. Did he
2: ever hear God say... Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
3: got another question from your outline here. So I'm backing up quite a bit. Under F number two. I've heard that remark made doesn't spot. Yeah. God accepts
2: Christians as they are.
0: Okay, a, a qualification there. Okay.
2: God loves you. We're <laughs> right. Here. So
0: I can do whatever I want. God still accepts me, right?
2: Who are you?
0: Now that, and and I know what you're saying. I don't even like the word "accept," uh, especially for salvation. You know, we accept His invitation.
2: Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Don't tell me you me I am. Yeah, I'd like to push you to change. I'm
0: trying to change. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. The qualification of <laughs> trying to trying to make an excuse to make this come out, because right? I have trouble with wording it that way, but it's uh what I uh what we're trying to get there is like whether one is in this camp as far as what the Sabbath is concerned or food or this one over here. To, to God, you're, you're His, anyway. That's the idea. But that's a loose term, and it can get you in all sorts of trouble. This whole text here, as we're running into, can get one into trouble. And, I, I, you know, as we started to enter this tonight, I go, oh, boy, we could have all sorts of turmoil on this one because this is exactly where this is going because you could have all sorts of different ideas on this. But ultimately, we probably ought to close it down. It's 909. On my, nine twelve or something like that. a little
2: later. My my my. Yeah yeah, our
0: bodies are still adjusting.
2: The chairs start to pull up automatically. Oh, I had, I had to complete this
0: section though. Are you okay? You ready? I just I'll just read this. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that He might be Lord of both the dead and the living and then it stops there and goes into another different thought. Okay, I had to get that in. Thank you, guys.
2: But there's a lot of doctrines right here in this practical living stuff. You notice that? (laughs) When I read that, I thought, good